Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and better than ever, Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Oh, we are loaded up today. We knew week 14 had a chance to be the very best of the NFL season, and it more than lived up. We only have two hours to do this, people. Let's go. Here we go. Only one place to start. Throws on the run, Lamb at the seven, and strolls in, walks all the dogs. These division games are so difficult, always have been. We needed to get this game, and and more importantly, I I, I just want to see us take a step as a football team. The Cowboys saving the best for last on a sensational Sunday in professional football, making a statement that perhaps this is finally the year. They need to be taken seriously all the way through to the finish. The assembled members of the hashtag crew have assembled around us, and we will be jam-packed on this all morning long. And there's one quick thing we have to decide before we start diving into my takes, before we start diving into all the decisions, before we start diving into the calls in Kansas City and everything else. This was a huge win for Brendan Bubba Peregrine, hashtag Bubba. Last time the Eagles and Cowboys played each other, the Cowboys lost, and thus Bubba had to sing, fly, Eagles, fly. Bubba, you are now the victor, and to the victor go the spoils. Hembo and Cam must face some humiliation, some punishment. They must pay a price for the defeat of their beloved Eagles. Bubba, have we decided yet what that price will be? We have decided, and we are going with the song, the song we had referenced prior, and it is Rhinestone Cowboy by Glenn Campbell. Okay, now I'm the only one in this group old enough to remember that song, but I actually know the words to Rhinestone Cowboy. A true by classic. Do you want to sing it with us? Glenn Campbell. Oh, no, I don't. Oh, no, I don't. I will talk you through it. I've been walking these streets alone, singing the same old song. I know every crack on these dirty sidewalks of Broadway. I know the song. But Cam, it is not my job to sing that song. I, I'm aware. I also know the lyrics because I was practicing last night, knowing that this would this would happen after the first Cowboys Practice touchdown. Practice is key. Practice. Is yeah. What key. day are we doing this? Because I'm going to need to basically go soup to nuts I, and learn I, the. What time is song. it now? I think today. I mean, we're doing this like at some point soon. Today? Why not? I've never heard the song in my life. Well, you've never heard any song in your life. Yeah, so how am I going to learn it in the help. next two hours? <laughs> yeah, how are you going to learn it in the next 10 years? I mean, you're going to sing this song badly, whether we give you time to prepare That's true. or not. What, are you learning a different interpretation of this? I mean, like you're so Studying the on? music history of I've it? never heard the song. I've never seen the lyrics of the song. I don't know who sings the song. I know nothing about the song. But nothing's going to change that one way or the other. If you guys I think give you me could get some practice and sound a pretty day good. Or to to prep, I actually might be able to flex these pipes. I don't think so. I don't think you could flex any pipes, whether they are in your throat or anywhere else. In the meantime, (laughs) that's clearly where it will begin. We'll start with Cowboys-Eagles, and then we will go uh, through my takes on a whole bunch of the rest of this stuff. It was a really busy day um, in the NFL, of course, and a lot of there's a lot of little things that happened all over the place, and then there are the two huge things the call that negates what might have been, what might otherwise have been the NFL play of the decade. Like, I don't know what at this moment would constitute the, the play of the decade of the 20s. And when we lost Frank Wycheck yesterday, sad news, died much too young. And immediately everyone harkens back to the Music City miracle that that might have been the play of the 90s in the NFL. Decades have those kinds of things, moments that will live forever David Tyree's catch, that kind of thing. In a game of this magnitude, a touchdown, the way it happened from Travis Kelsey to Kadarius Toney, 
for it to get taken away the way that it was. That's something we'll be talking about forever. But the stakes of that game were not what the stakes of this game were. So, Bubba, I'll ask you the following question. After watching what the Cowboys did to the Eagles last night, do you feel different? And by that I mean the Cowboys are always the team you're just waiting for the shoe to drop. As Stephen A. always says, it's always right around the corner. We've seen it happen time and time and year and year again. Do you feel as a, as a passionate fan of the team who watches every snap like this team is different? Um, no, I, I mean, I don't feel different. I feel, I feel good about them for sure, but this win doesn't make me feel anything like, oh my God, we got it locked, we're good to go. Because it doesn't, I said all along, it doesn't really matter what happens or what they're doing in the regular season. It's going to matter what Dak does in the playoffs. So Dak can beat the Eagles two times. He could win the MVP. He could be unbelievable. But if they fail in the playoffs, it's not going to matter. So I do think they're playing, they're playing great. They're, as good as they've been in recent years, so I'm feeling confident about them, but I don't think they're at some different level where I'm like, oh my God, this team is different. No, I, I don't have that feeling right now because it doesn't, honestly, it doesn't really matter what they're doing in the regular season, and it would not shock me right now with their two difficult games at Buffalo and at Miami next that they lose you know, one or both of them, and they're now right back behind the Eagles again. So for those of you who are not following that piece of this, the schedules now flip. So the Eagles just went through their gauntlet and wound up only losing two games. And I say that in a meaningful way. They lost to the Niners, they lost to the Cowboys, but they beat Buffalo and they beat Kansas City and they beat one other good team. Who am I forgetting? Miami. Miami in that stretch. And, And so... And they beat the Cowboys one of the two times that they played each other. You you don't go into a season figuring we're going to sweep them. You you go in thinking that you're going to split. So at this moment, things look dark for the Eagles. But they have the easiest or one of the easiest remaining schedules of any team in the NFL. And the Cowboys have a gauntlet. So I will ask you then, Hembo, from the flip side, if you were to assess your level of concern about the Eagles right now, how would you do so? Uh, right now, my level of concern is high because the offense is a tick behind what it was last year, and the defense is a gulf behind where it was last year. I told you last week I thought this Eagles defense was the most underachieving unit in the whole league. You laughed at me, all right? The 49ers and the Cowboys in consecutive weeks have absolutely drubbed the Eagles' defense, and right now it is not a championship defense. It is not a, championship, it is not a defense that you can win a championship with. However, to be 10-3, and three, having played the most difficult schedule in the whole league with the easiest remaining schedule, does make me feel pretty good because the Eagles will have the opportunity to collect their breath, collect their thoughts, hopefully get that first round by, in which case I would still favor them to come out of the NFC. But right this second, I don't feel that way considering how badly they have played. Um, that's fair. Cam, let me ask it to you this way. Because getting the one seed is going to involve the 49ers losing mm-hmm. a game somewhere along the way as well. And barring some sort of injury, I'm not convinced hmm. that we're going to see that happen. Do you feel like any chance of the Eagles getting back to the Super Bowl rests, Cam, on their getting the, the one seed in the NFC, which as of this moment, if I had to project, I would not bet they're going to get? I would say mostly yes. The interesting thing is that whichever team gets the five seed between the Eagles and Cowboys plays Tampa, Atlanta, or New Orleans. So you're going to get 
not a buy, but you're going to get a pretty easy draw probably in the first round. I think the Eagles have shown that going on the road is is not what their forte is this year. And like Hembo said, and I'm going to say it again, it's the same problems that have been coming up the last couple weeks, and they finally just caught up the, up to the Eagles, and now they're manifesting in losses rather than close comeback wins at the end. So the reason we were concerned last week are the same reasons we're even more concerned this week. It's issues that have been persistent all season and just haven't you know resulted in wins they've resulted in tough or uh, losses but tough wins and now they're resulting in drubbing so I do have concern going to the playoffs I'm not even sure that uh, the Seahawks game on the road is a guaranteed win for the Eagles this week I think they'll they'll wrap it up with three wins uh, uh, at the end of the season but um, yeah not a, not a great direction the team has had it right they now. still have the Giants twice they've also yeah. had and then this happens to teams, and it's just luck of the draw, or in this case, unluck of the draw. They've had a very, very tough schedule these last two weeks. Not just because they played the Niners and Cowboys, but they played the Niners when San Francisco was coming off of the mini-buy. They played a Thursday. They played the Cowboys when the Cowboys were coming off a mini-buy. They played the Thursday. The one thing I don't generally expect the Eagles to be is bludgeoned, and they're getting bludgeoned a little bit here, Hembo, and that's not what I would have expected. Me neither. Uh, These were both effectively non-competitive games, at least the last seven quarters, and that's very discouraging. But I will say this. If I'm looking to, to sort of look for the silver lining here, which Eagles fans rarely do, I could convince myself that the Cowboys and the 49ers are peaking now, that the Cowboys and the 49ers just won their Super Bowls, and that the Eagles are going to build towards something in January rather than right now. The way that the Niners and the Cowboys treated the last two weeks is exactly as they should. They wanted to knock off the champ, the team that beat them last year and represented the NFC in the Super Bowl. Demarcus Lawrence was pounding his chest after the game. We know the 49ers had done the whole thing with the funeral and the Debo stuff and all the rest of it. Good for you. It's still a regular season game. The Eagles are still in really good position. And I think come January, because of the depth on the team and the fact that they will now be able to rally around this with an easy schedule moving forward, the Eagles might be better positioned than both of those teams to go to the Super Bowl, even though it does not look like they might be right now. Not buying. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. I'm not buying because I am firmly of the opinion that barring injury, the NFC playoffs are the San Francisco Invitational. Here's the 49ers schedule the rest of the way. There was only one game that I could in any way see them losing. The 49ers have at Arizona, at Washington, and home with the Rams. Those are three of their final four games. They're not losing any of those games. The only game in which they will not be a prohibitive favorite is home against Baltimore on Christmas Day, Christmas night, I should say, on ABC. That is the Monday night game, Christmas night, Ravens at 49ers. I will favor the 49ers in that game. I would think they will be a favorite, and I would think that FPI will favor them in that game, but that's the only one of them that I wouldn't think they will be more than a touchdown favorite. I I watched most of that game yesterday (laughs) against Seattle. I I didn't think San Francisco looked unbeatable in that game. That was a Drew Locke game, and they were competitive until the fourth quarter. I mean, the Niners are great. Don't get me wrong. But they're also George Kittle or Christian McCaffrey or Debo Samuel or Trent Williams' injury away from, I think, having a real tough time in the playoffs. We know they're sort of a a House of Cards team, a House of Cards roster. No, if the playoffs started tomorrow, you'd favor them prohibitively. The playoffs don't start tomorrow. This is a war of attrition, and I think the Eagles are better equipped to win that war than any team in their conference. Now you're hurting yourself, and I'm going to tell you why you're hurting yourself. You're, You're exposing yourself as desperate because what you just said is true of everybody. No, it's not. 
If the Eagles lost A.J. Brown, would they have any chance of getting to the Super Bowl? Yeah, they'd have a chance. Now get up and get out of this Lane room. Johnson, their Hall of Fame right tackle, missed that game against Buffalo, and the Eagles still found a way to win the game. Okay. When Trent Williams missed two games, the, the 49ers lost both of them. Yeah, I mean, they These lost one happen. of them because they miss a field goal on the last play of the game that it, clearly they should make. The Eagles got bludgeoned by the 49ers a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. You're telling me A.J. Brown is not as valuable to his team as Debo Samuel is to the 49ers? Uh, he is not. He's not. Because the Eagles are such a, 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 an unstoppable running team? No, because they, we just have seen... stopped running the ball. Well, just because we've seen what the 49ers look like without Debo and without Trent Williams, and it's really ugly. They didn't win. And A.J. Brown never gets hurt, by the way. Well, and Debo Samuel and Trent Williams often do. I, I think that you're grasping at straws. I mean, I, I think what you're You're not even is, arguing back. You're just, like, name-calling. No, you're resorting I'm telling to you that every team in the league is susceptible to losing one of their best players and them no longer you being have acknowledged what they all are. Season long, you've acknowledged all season long that the Eagles are deeper than the Niners, despite the fact that the Niners have more high-end talent. Do you still believe that? I, I do, but that manifests itself in your second-string right guard right. if you lose that person mm-hmm. the eagles have a better one there at the top of, of the level of all of this brock purdy on one side and jalen Hurts. Well, let's put it this way mm-hmm. i actually think that the 49ers could lose brock purdy more easily than the, the eagles could lose jalen hurts <laughs> and i know that's going to make all the purdy mvp people mad at me and it's not to say he hasn't been terrific but We've seen them win with a variety of quarterbacks. But you take McCaffrey off of the 49ers, that, that's probably the one guy they couldn't possibly right. afford to lose. McCaffrey, I think, is the guy who makes all of it go. I guess what I'm saying is we assume that nothing changes over the course of time, whereas over the next four games, people could get hurt. Teams could regress. Teams could improve. And four or five weeks from now, when this stuff actually hits, when this stuff actually matters, it's not obvious to me that the Eagles won't be in better position than they are in right now. Look, the 49ers' A game is the best one in the league. Right now, they're incredibly healthy and incredibly dangerous. I'm just not so sure that we should assume status quo moving forward. Okay, repeat after me. Mm -hmm. Riding out on a horse. Riding out on a horse. In a star-spangled rodeo. In a star-spangled rodeo. Like a rhinestone cowboy. At some point this morning, Cam and Hembo will have to sing it. It is time to pay the piper and it will not be pretty in the meantime my takes on the rest of a very busy day in the nfl are coming up next screening on espn radio passion drive and patience what brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive ebay motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers roof racks exhaust kits led headlights and more whether you're into speed power or style ebay motors has got you covered with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die you'll always find exactly what you're looking for and with ebay guaranteed fit your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to turn your car into the mvp and bring home that win keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply it's demon time on prize picks where you can now win up to 100 times your money that's right 100 times your money With as little as four correct picks, you can turn $10 into $1,000. Demons and Goblins are the newest and most exciting way to play at prize picks. 
Squares marked with red demons or green goblins get you different payouts. And as always, Prize Picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. They even offer injury insurance so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Go to PrizePicks.com/Greenberg and use code Greenberg for a first deposit match up to $100. That's PrizePicks.com/Greenberg, code Greenberg for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antsgate presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Greeny, the podcast. <laughs> oh, that's a creative song choice there for my man, Cam. It was a toe that even Rex Ryan didn't like in yesterday's game in Kansas City. <laughs> Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. He went there. Like Rex, he's so, God bless him. He doesn't care, right? Like Rex, we, if you don't know why we're making that joke, then I'm not going to explain it to you. Google it. Uh, but... He just said that out of nowhere. He didn't say it in the pre-show meeting. We had no expectation he was going to say it. (laughs) And then he just says it. And you're trying to have a serious conversation about what might be the, I think when it's all said and done, going to be the most talked about play of the NFL season. And you just can't take it seriously. Anyway, we'll dive into that and more with my takes in 30 seconds after a word from Granger. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Greenies Takes. Well, let me give you my top five takes coming out of yesterday. We opened it with Dallas and Philly. Obviously, the NFL saving the best for last on that Sunday night. Cowboys with a statement win. It had a lot of impact on a lot of things. Hembo and Cam are going to have to sing Rhinestone Cowboy. (laughs) So we got all that going. But let me take you through my top five takes on the rest of the NFL. Number five. I have no idea what to make of this, but that was the best game that Zach Wilson has ever played. I, I believe I've watched every snap from center that Zach Wilson has taken as an NFL player, including in the preseason. And that's the best game he ever played. He's had two really good games this year. Two games that made you think maybe he could be a good player. One of them was against Kansas City in a very hard-fought loss at the end of September. And now all this time and all this water under the bridge and a two-game benching and all the controversy of last week, does he want to play, does he not want to play, all that later, he comes out and plays great yesterday. And I really don't know what to do with that. Like I don't know what to make of it. How am I supposed to process Zach Wilson playing great? They waited just long enough for it not really to matter. If you do that at four and five, even at four and six, if you do that against Atlanta, then that's one thing. But you do it yesterday when you were already four and eight. It's hopeless. The entire AFC is seven and six. 
You can't get there. The Jets cannot make it. They haven't been mathematically eliminated, but they might as well have been. So I don't know what to say. Like, why'd they bench him in the first place? To play Tim Boyle? It makes one think that they must have been on the verge of losing the locker room, but then obviously not. So I, I really don't know how happy to be about it. Like, there's a part, I was happy watching the game yesterday. I was happy for them. I was happy for him. I was happy for the players, especially on that defense, who've been terrific and, and have continued to fight through what has been just a, a horrendous season. But I really don't, what should I, like, if you're a fan, what should you be feeling this morning about Zach Wilson playing the game he played yesterday when everything that you had been trying for has been already hopelessly lost. You know, it's the last thing that you said that actually stood out to me about that game because uh, C.J. Shroud played the worst game of his college or pro career. Like, nobody does to C.J. Shroud what the Jets did yesterday. It was a QBR of 6.5. The average less than two yards per pass play. I mean, mm. look, Zach Wilson playing well is, I guess, icing on the cake. You'd prefer it to him playing badly. But it's the fact that the defense keeps playing well week in and week out that would probably be the most uh, most encouraging thing for me. If you want to defend C.J. Stroud, he was playing the game with injured receivers to begin with, and then he lost his best receiver early in the game with a calf injury. He never came back. And then I hope Stroud is okay. His head hit the turf so hard yesterday, and that is frightening to watch. And you could just see immediately that he's out. He He doesn't know. When he's walking off the field, he certainly does not look like he has any sense of where he is or where he's going. So it's always terrifying to watch. And he's a kid who's been so good and played so well. You certainly, first and foremost, hope that he's okay. We'll talk more about Zach later. I just don't know what to make of it. Number four. But speaking of not knowing what to make of it, someone make it make sense. The Atlanta Falcons drive me nuts. I can't stand watching them. They should be so much better than they are. And yesterday, driving down the field at the very end of what was a pretty entertaining little football game in which they could have taken sole possession of first place of their admittedly terrible division. They're down in the final, I think there's four seconds when the ball is snapped. There is zero question this is going to be the last play of the game. Literally zero. And they throw a ball. Not one yard short of the goal line. They threw the ball. I think Drake London catches that ball on the five. He has no chance to score. You were much better off throwing a Hail Mary in that situation. I, someone make it make sense. I, I, Hembo, help me. I mean, what, what, what does one say? That's, that's the worst play. It's the worst play of the weekend. What in the world are you doing? I, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me either. The... the Atlanta's insistence that Desmond Ritter can still play quarterback baffles me, too. Because, I mean, what we think about Arthur Smith is that he's like this offensive mastermind, right? Who can deploy all these weapons, these first-round draft picks. But you just don't ever see it. He doesn't have a quarterback that can get him the ball. And they've defended Desmond Ritter the whole season for reasons unbeknownst to me. Like, I understand, like, sometimes things happen on a football field that aren't obvious why they happen. This is one where, like, we can just say, my bad, right? Because, you know, if you have to get in the end zone, can you just throw the ball seven yards deeper? Give your team a chance to win? I mean, it doesn't, he can't be their quarterback next year. I'm not sure he can be their quarterback the rest of the season either. He actually played okay yesterday, though. I mean, he didn't play badly. I just don't understand that play at the end. That's Cam, a function of the offense. Help me, Cam. Yeah, I just had a question. In the battle between the two teams who are on, on a quest to lose more 
with the most talent? Is it the Falcons <laughs> or the Chargers? <laughs> I, 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 that's a good question. I think we should call their Super Bowl. Well, the, the, the difference is the Chargers have a quarterback that we all think is great, and the Falcons have a quarterback that most people think is terrible. And candidly, I do too. But I don't think yesterday is the day to blame him. I'm just looking up his numbers. Ye- yesterday, he was 26 of 40 for 347 yards and a touchdown. Like, he, he played well. I just don't understand the pass at the end of the game. And, and yes, all year long, they've underutilized Drake London. Mm-hmm. He had a huge day yesterday. They have underutilized Kyle Pitts from the instant they drafted him. Bijan Robinson, no, I, I don't understand the coach there at all. But that, that last play, that's one of the worst plays of the NFL. Like, they have a chance to win the game. Throw a, just throw a Hail Mary if you want to. But whatever you do, don't throw a ball five yards short of the goal. Number three. All right, Greedy, my top five takes coming out of a Sunday yesterday. Justin Fields is going to be a star. Justin Fields is so good. And, and, I, and I talked about it last week. Sometimes... The right thing to do takes too much courage. So I think to do the right thing on the part of the Bears, it would mean everyone putting their jobs on the line. Now, the Bears are the franchise that passed on Patrick Mahomes. They took Mitchell Trubisky in the draft that Mahomes wound up being taken in. None of the human beings who made that decision are still employed by the Bears. But on some level, it kind of still sticks to the organization. And the courage it would take to be the team that passes on Caleb Williams, assuming the Bears get the first pick, which if you watched Carolina play yesterday, they're most (laughs) certainly going to do. Oh, my God. Carolina is the least competitive team in the NFL. The way Carolina played yesterday, honestly, they would not win the CFP. Like, if you put Carolina in there with Alabama and Michigan, they would not win. This version of Drake, uh, Bryce Young would be like the third best quarterback. He oh. was 13 of 36. <laughs> At one point, I think he was like 3 of 20. Like, th- he bu- the, the 13 of 36 was like he padded those stats in yeah, the it was, second right. half. It was garbage time completions. <laughs> it really was. Like, the, their performance yesterday was the worst performance maybe by any team in the NFL this season, and that includes the game that Denver gave up 70. But let's not get sidetracked by that. The Bears are going to get that first pick. Here's what you're facing if you're them. You can either A, take the quarterback and thus have a rookie salary cap working on Caleb Williams, or B, sign Justin Fields, who is not in a position to demand Joe Burrow's contract or Herbert's or Mahomes or whoever. If you get him, I'm just making this up, for the Daniel Jones contract, and you trade away that first pick, you could get three ones and two twos and whatever it might be. And now you've got eight players on a rookie contract or whatever it is. You already have the good young offensive lineman you draft last year. You put Marvin Harrison out there. I'm just making him up opposite DJ Moore. And you get an offensive coach in there who has some idea which end zone it is we're trying to move the ball towards. And Justin Fields is a star. I mean, he's so good. And they've made him so bad. I, I, I it's, it's the gutsy decision because if Williams winds up being a star, then you get fired immediately. But I, I really genuinely think it would be the right call. Yeah, over his last 17 games, which is, of course, the equivalent of a full season, he's passed for 3,000 yards. He's rushed for 1,200 yards. 
and accounted for 33 touchdowns um, with an absolutely awful infrastructure around him. And Justin Fields is getting better in very meaningful ways, ways in which I was very critical of him earlier this season and last year, like taking lots of sacks and running like a chicken with his head cut off behind the line of scrimmage and all sorts of things that look a lot more precise now, that look a lot more crisp. If you thought that you got a lot for Bryce Young, Wait till you see what teams are going to be willing to give you for Caleb Williams. Absolutely. On TV today, you compared it to the Herschel Walker return. Yeah. I don't think that's hyperbole. No, it's not. I mean, just quickly, I, I should have had you do this before. The, the year that of, of the Jared Goff and RG3 trade. Yes. Uh, not, it wasn't RG3. It was Jared Goff and, uh, and uh, Carson Wentz. Wentz, yeah. What, 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 what did those teams trade? What, what did San Francisco just trade to go up to three a couple of years ago? To get ago? Lance, it's three yeah. ones. It's three ones. Three ones. That's what I'm saying. Three ones plus. You think it's someone's going to trade three ones for Caleb Williams? Ups- at least. I think so. I do. I think Caleb Williams is a better prospect than any of those guys. And Trey are. Lance. <laughs> yeah. Way better prospect than Trey Lance. Way better prospect than Carson Wentz. Way better prospect than Jared Goff. He, he's, I think Caleb Williams is a, a player that teams think they could turn into a superstar. He, he's He's got... Everything that you're looking for. Jared Goff went for six picks in the top three rounds, including two firsts. Like, if you hit on those picks, you have yourself the best collection of rookie contract players in the NFL, and Justin Fields could turn himself into Jalen Hurts. And Justin Fields is not going to get this monster contract. No one would give him that, and I'm not suggesting anyone should. But what is Daniel Jones getting, 40 a year? Yeah, something like that. And you can get out of it in two or three years? In two years. I would do it. I would do it. I would do that and try and put the best young team in the NFL around him. I mean, just look they at won't what, do it. Look what the Jets. They are. won't do it. But you're going to put just the equivalent of Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson and 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 Sauce Gardner and Jermaine Johnson and all these guys a, a great young team around him. No, they won't do it. They won't do it because it would take too much courage. They're not brave enough. They're and not brave they, enough. It would it would take bravery, and I agree they won't do it. But I think. That they should. Greeny's NFL take. Number two. All four teams in the AFC North could wind up making it into the playoffs. Now, they are not currently in. I misspoke on that on TV, and let me explain why. After the 1 o'clock games yesterday, I got sent a note that said, if the season ended right now, all four AFC North teams would be in, and that was the case. After the later games in the day, that actually changed. The Bengals would actually not be in right this minute. So... As of this second, all four AFC North teams would not be in, um, and I, I'd like to. come glad I get the chance to correct that. That said, they certainly all could get in. Of the four, well, it's too obvious just to say it's Baltimore, right? Like, like if I was going to say which one of them could you see making the Super Bowl, it's just obviously the Ravens. Yes, right? but they have the most difficult remaining regular season in the whole league. It's it's definitely Miami's one seed to lose at this point. Those two teams play in Week 17. I wasn't actually that encouraged, though, by what I saw from Baltimore against the Rams. No, yesterday. me neither. They didn't, and that, they're coming off their bye, and they needed overtime to beat that team, which did surprise me a good bit. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, is, is Joe Flacco going to play like that? Because, I mean, Deshaun <laughs> Watson stunk for them this year. Let's be clear. Deshaun Watson was terrible for the Browns this year. Joe Flacco has played better. He, he has played better so far. And and that defense remains really good. Like the Brown, they just beat a, a Jacksonville. I don't, I can't make up my mind what to think of Jacksonville either. But I don't know. I, the Browns could wind up being kind of a sneaky, dangerous team. And the Bengals with Browning, who's playing pretty well. Browning is making himself a lot of money for sure. 
And so those are my, you know, my my takes from yesterday. Number one. And number one by far. Lose the music. I mean, what can you say about what happened in Kansas City? That's that's the play of the of the decade, the play that Travis Kelsey makes, which everyone who knows it swears to me was not cold. That was not the hook and ladder. That was a uh, hook and lateral. That was not that. That was Travis Kelsey in that moment making the kind of play that we would have talked about until the end of time. The, the, the heads-up quality of that play, Kadarius Tony, who, by the way, is the guy who is lined up offsides when the play begins, if you actually watch the tape of it, he has stopped playing. He quits on the play. He gets covered, and he's just kind of standing there looking forlorn and watching Travis Kelsey catch the ball, and, and Kadarius Tony is not going down there to try and help block. He's not doing anything. He's just kind of standing there doing nothing, and Kelsey looks up and sees it and throws him the ball, and Tony takes off and runs. He's not expecting that. The more are, are times, we sure? Th- that's what every one of these guys is who is watching because it. Because they, they played, asked Andy Reid after the game, and they said the lateral on that play was freelance, and his answer was, I can't even believe you're asking that right now. Next question, which doesn't, hmm. doesn't really give an answer, but to me that almost makes it sound like, yeah, it was clearly a called play. All I can tell you is that I've had conversations today with multiple people who played and coached in the NFL, and every one of them watching it say that was not a a designed called play. Maybe they'll explain it one way or another. I guess at the end of the day, that doesn't really matter, or it certainly isn't the most important part of the story. The most important part of the story is that it is called back by a player who was clearly lined up offsides. No one can debate that. And so first and foremost... The fault is his. Of that, there is no, there's no room for debate. If you're assigning blame to this not happening, then the first person you assign it to is Kadarius Tony. Of that, there is no question. But are there other questions that we should be asking about that play? We'll get into that in a moment. It's Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. Should the flag have been thrown? To me, there's only one answer. And it's next on ESPN Radio. Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming. FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? To vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. Let it come. FX's Shogun, now streaming on Hulu. Greeny, the podcast. Hi, right, Greeny, with you here on ESPN Radio and the hashtag crew has assembled. We are offering you a chance to be a part of Greeny Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. It's not college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper, the one that fans deserve. We just ran through my takes from the NFL yesterday. We talked about Dallas and Philly. We talked about Zach Wilson playing his best game. We talk about the Falcons making the worst play of the day, throwing the ball five yards short of the goal line with no time remaining. 
We talked about Justin Fields and what I think is not an easy decision in Chicago about his future. We talked about all four teams from the AFC North potentially making the playoffs, and then we got into Kansas City, Buffalo. Let, let's lose the music here because th- this this is one of those moments in the NFL that we're going to remember. It, it, this this is the most dramatic thing that I think will happen this season because the magnitude of the game times the magnitude of the play times the way it happens. So you've got Buffalo, Kansas City, which I think has emerged as the best non-divisional rivalry in the sport right now. Rivalry in pro football generally is divisional. Historically, you have Packers and Bears. Of the moment, you've got Cowboys and Eagles. Outside of the division, you don't usually have those kinds of rivalries. Buffalo, Kansas City is a great rivalry right now and it's mostly because the quarterbacks are so ridiculously good and they've played some of the best games ever including the AFC playoff game a few years ago the final 13 seconds you all know what I'm talking about this was a play that was going to live forever and after it was done after the offensive offsides had been called Patrick Mahomes was enraged tough to swallow um, I mean not, not only from for me but just for football in general I mean just to take away greatness like that, I mean, for a guy like Travis to make a play like that, and who knows if we win, but as I know as fans, you want to see the guys on the field decide the game, and that's why last week I didn't say anything about the flag that didn't get called on the Marquez, and so, I mean, I, don't, it, I mean, they're human, man. They make mistakes, but, I mean, I'm, it's every week we're talking about something, and all I can do is go out there and give everything I have, and I'm proud of the guys because that's what we did, and it was a great football game that ended – Another great football game that just ended like that. It's just tough, tough to swallow. So I get it. I, I understand his frustration, and I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt on anything because I just like him so much. But let's let's get into what we're really asking for if we're going to say that call shouldn't be made. Okay? So when the official throws his flag, he doesn't know that one of the great memorable plays of all time is about to take place. So what you're asking the official to do because you can't now pick it up. You can't say, as it turns out, upon further review, this was such an unbelievable play that the Chiefs made here that there is no foul for offensive offsides. So that's not an option. You can't go back and do it retroactively. So what you're asking the official to do then is not to make a call in the final two minutes, let's say, of a close NFL game if that call that you are making clearly does not have an impact on the play, which is to say, at no point in the game, at no point in any circumstance, regardless of what's being run, could Kadarius Toney, being lined up six inches off sides, have an impact on the play? Sometimes you'll see a game, you'll see a play, and you'll see defensive holding or even offensive holding that takes place so far away from where the action is that you say it had no effect on the game on the play just don't call that and I understand the emotion of saying that but at the end of the day if we were to apply the slippery slope theory we eventually arrive at the place where we realize we cannot do that we cannot ask these officials who already are overwhelmed by 106 of the most athletic people on on planet earth doing things that are fast and violent and furious and all within an inch of the line on every single play, 
We cannot ask them to predetermine which ones they are and aren't going to call. We just can't do it. So every part of me hates that that call is made. But I cannot blame the officials. I can't do it. I cannot ask that line judge, whose job it is to look down the line and see if anyone is lined up offsides, and if they are, throw the flag. I can't ask that guy to say, well, in the final minute and 20 of a close game, I'm not doing it. I can't do that. That can't be okay. It's just not something we can expect. Let me ask you this. If, upon further review, that flag is not thrown, and someone notices subsequently... Some the following day on Get Up, one of our great producers, like Hembo or anyone, uh, notices, you know, if you look back at this tape, Kadarius Tony is lined up way off sides and they didn't call it. Would that turn into a big deal? Probably not. Because most of us, I think, would say, it didn't have any impact on the play. So it isn't even a question of, if it were reversed, then what would we say? I'm not even going there. All I'm saying is, We already ask referees to do a job that is as close to impossible as any job could be. Adding the layer of using your own judgment to determine whether or not you're going to call this particular foul in this particular moment based on the circumstances of the game, it's not a good idea. So I'm going to say I have no issue with that flag being thrown. Does any member of the hashtag crew disagree with me? No issue here. Cam, Bubba, do you guys think they should have kept the flag in their pocket? Absolutely not. Yeah, you don't I, know what's about to happen. Exactly. I mean, I, not only do I have not an issue, I don't even understand why we're having this debate. I mean, it's 100% on the receiver's their issue, their, their fault. I don't even, it's, there's no question. I have no problem with them calling the flag, and the fact that they're even debating it, it's Tony's fault. Just line up on sides. What are we talking about? They had an issue. <laughs> the Cowboys had lost the game in overtime to the Packers last year because Jalen Tolbert lined up offsides, and it's incredibly frustrating. I get it, but how hard is it to line up on sides? I don't get where we're – why are we making up all these excuses like, oh, because it was such a cool play. They should – just line up on sides. What do we, if Mahomes had this exact response last week when the refs did screw him over, I would understand it. Look – the refs had some bad calls last week. I get it. He was offsides. I don't, I don't understand what the issue is here. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. Like, what, what winds up happening is, is immaterial because the flag was thrown immediately after the ball was snapped. I just went back and rewatched the play. Oh, yeah. Like, Travis Kelsey's 10 yards away from where he was when he catches the ball when the flag is thrown. He is so clearly and obviously offsides that you absolutely have to, to throw the flag. And I think that both Patrick Mahomes... And Andy Reid fell short in their leadership after the game. I mean, Andy Reid, like the most mild-mannered, measured coach in the world, said, this is embarrassing for the NFL. Andy, you're wrong. Like, your guy broke the rules, and they called it immediately. So I understand the emotion of things. But I think both Andy and Patrick Mahomes fell short in an opportunity to go put their arms around Kadarius Toney, who made you know a, a sort of a bonehead play of all time, bonehead plays. We've seen this in sports many, many times. What this actually reminded me of, Greeny, was, was game one of the 2018 NBA Finals. My favorite game LeBron has ever played. Mm-hmm. A 51-point masterpiece against the Juggernaut Warriors. And they lost that game in part because J.R. Smith didn't know the score of the game. Oh, yeah. That's what it felt like to me. The, the legendary J.R. Smith play where uh, LeBron is <laughs> looking at him. J.R. is dribbling out the clock in a tie <laughs> game. Um, yeah. I, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I understand what you mean by that. In that case, that was a, a, a different kind of bonehead play. That was J.R. Smith not knowing the situation. This is Kadarius Tony making what I suppose could be described as a careless mistake. Now, now you may be asking yourself, don't the officials, and you heard Andy Reid say it, and you heard Mahomes say it, don't the officials sometimes help these guys out? And Rex explained it in great detail on TV with us today. That every now and again, the official will come over to the sideline during a game and say, Rex, you got to get your tackles up to the line of scrimmage or you got to back your defense off the line of scrimmage. And Rex will immediately, that's a warning, and Rex will immediately address that. A wide receiver, and you generally have seen it. When they're, and it usually is when they're wide up, uh, lined up out wide, so they're standing very close to the official. They'll sort of look over, and the official will give them a thumbs up, letting them know that they're lined up where they're supposed to be. So they do add that layer. But Kadarius Tony is not anywhere near an official, and he's lined up in the slot. He is basically tight to the ball and looking at the ball the entire time. So unfortunately, and I say that because all of us as fans are robbed of what would have been an unbelievable finish to the game, however it turned out, this one cannot be blamed on the refs. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.